0: It's another home dog weekend in college football, so could that mean it's also upset weekend in college football? Plenty of games to talk about, plenty to recap from a week ago. I don't really want to waste much time because there's a lot to get to, and honestly, I kind of sound like garbage. A little bit of a cold I'm fighting through, but uh, so apologies. You get a sniffle, you get a a cough, muted cough here and there. We'll make it work. I'm Brian Peller, and I'm the one who's kind of muffled. He's Chris Tindall. This is the Sharpen the Point podcast. It's episode six, week five of the college football season. It's a College football game DFS picks pod. In case you're new, I do the against the spread picks. Chris does the DFS selections, he seems to have more success than I do. That's how it goes. You can follow along on the pod, uh, with the pod on our article on TomahawkNation.com. Plenty of info there as a kind of quick reference guide. More of the detailed stuff right here on the pod. So thank you for listening. and Of course, as always, if you're betting or playing these picks, do so responsibly, follow at your own risk two guys who are playing and kind of explaining our thought process but again so far so good for us man um you were really good on DFS again another strong week and um I'm pretty sure all you really had to say was Oregon pretty good huh
1: yeah I mean it helps when you stack Bo Nicks with Troy Troy Franklin you know so that really was a benefit to us I think we hit on everything for the most part Martin was okay but with the price uh evaluation it was it was worth it but it really the the one miss was Miles Price and you know we made puns on him but uh come to find out he came into the week with an injury so he ended up not playing that much the weather was a little poo in in Morgantown apologies to our <laughs> brethren in Huntington West Virginia with with Marshall I'm figuring I might have had a few couches burned at my stake if I had that choice <laughs> uh, to say it again so apologize for that but you know, we we missed on one wide receiver, but otherwise we hit everything pretty out of the park. And you know, it was good week on the main slate, but sad part is, is all the ex uh, the accessory slates I I nailed and cashed everything. So that was a little bit of a bad part to it. But I'd prefer to hit the main slate and let everybody listen and cash.
0: Yeah, we uh we typically play that main slate here on on our on our pod, which we kind of focus on because it's the noon. 330 eastern time games because that's that's the easiest if you try and go into too many things it kind of gets complicated so we just focus on that main slate um you did a great job at least also of pouring water on the things that i was excited about because i i liked uh texas a&m against uh auburn and it might have gone well had uh not broken his foot or his ankle or whatever Mm -hmm. happened there because max johnson came in and looked great were like almost 200 yards and two touchdowns I'm like well that'd have been nice to go to the guy that i had played
1: yeah, the first thing I did uh when the slate came out this week is I was like, oh, can we get Max Johnson at forty five hundred? Because I might be able to play something here. And then no, uh, he was eighty-five hundred. So we're out.
0: Yeah, because it, it didn't seem like he was gonna be out, but whatever. No AM on our pick slate this week. I I did make fun of myself for the picks article uh and how that's been going. I really, it's only been a bad week zero. Week zero, I think I went two and five. Um outside of that, I went five and five and every week. Last week was seven and three overall and Uh, If you follow just the ones I did here on the pod, it was five and one. Uh, Florida State was able to bring it home for us, and overtime didn't really look pretty for much of it, down 10 a lot. Uh, But Clemson was never really going to be an easy one, but I thought Florida State was um, clearly better when they could kind of play their B game to maybe C-plus game on the road and still kind of get a win.
1: Yeah, we were talking about Will Shipley last week, and I know I texted you during the game and said, hey, look, he's catching passes. (laughs) <laughs> uh, he he's played really well in the games that they have that are close and, and that'll carry over to this week. So now it'll be just a measure of how far can Florida state go with this. And I think that the schedule sets up well for them to continue this run.
0: Yeah. they they come out of this bye week with a pretty easy slate in front of them. Uh, I think it's Virginia tech and is it Syracuse right after I forget off the top of my head, but um, I think Duke is Duke is the tough game in, in October. Their other three are, are not exactly to that level. And then November kind of, Steps up a little bit with Miami on, on there because Miami seems pretty good. We'll get the Clemson more in a bit. Boy, I think we kind of nailed the Oregon-Colorado game. I, I'm not sure I really learned much from it besides what I thought, but uh, I was grading last week's picks article. If you want to play along, you just go in the comments of this article on timewalknation.com, drop your picks to the 10 games I list above. Uh got about 25, 30 guys who play every week, or people, I don't want to exclude the ladies who are playing, but... Um, I was stunned by how many people were taking Colorado and my friends who, who bet in states where it's legal. I'm here in Florida, but you're in Louisiana where you can, but uh, it seemed like a whole lot of people were taking Colorado and not just plus the points, but money line. And I felt like we made it abundantly clear. That was a terrible thing to do last week.
1: Yeah. I think we kind of knew that Oregon was going to score and score at will, which they kind of did. And I was almost very disappointed with an early punt, but (laughs) <laughs> Dan Landing wanted to prove that he had a he, you know, that he was it was on my side there and he faked it. But, you know, I think we'll see more out of Colorado. I think the most impressive thing to me was how good Oregon's defense looked in that situation. Uh we didn't downplay or I didn't downplay how much of an advantage it is to play in Austin. So, you know, that that proved to be true and we can move forward. And I think you're gonna see a better Colorado effort this week.
0: Yeah, we'll touch more on them in a bit, too. Utah's defense made life a living hell for UCLA, from what I could see. Dante Moore just, man, they couldn't really get anything going. Utah continues to tread water really well while they keep waiting for Cam Rising to make that return. He was uh, not in this one. Utah's got one against Oregon State tomorrow night, Friday night, mm-hmm. so the night you're listening to this, we don't talk about it because it's Friday night game, so... Want to give you the chance to kind of look ahead to Saturday while you're listening, but uh probably one that's definitely worth your time. But Utah, man, they just they just keep puddling along, pedaling along.
1: Yeah, they're doing it. it's without Jaquin and Jackson, too. So realistically, right now, the guys we thought would be good in on that team, they're missing their number one quarterback, their number one running back, their number two running back, and their number one offensive weapon in Brant Keithy. So they're really, really shorthanded in the uh, offensive skill positions.
0: Yeah. And Kyle Whittingham, I think made a joke last week about like how they can't, we can't believe they're only a month into the season and already have this many players missing. Like, but they're winning. They, you know, they win at Baylor. They win uh, over a ranked UCLA team. Apologies. I'm fighting through it. I'm fighting through it guys. Uh, Oregon state. Do you have thoughts on this Oregon state and Utah game?
1: I like Oregon State. Oregon State's a good squad. You know, they play, they're very similar to a Utah. They run the ball well, play good defense. I, I just don't believe in DJU. Um, I, I can't. I just don't see that. I see that being the differentiator here. I'd probably trust Utah overall just to be a little safer. But Oregon State's a very similarly built team.
0: Yeah, I think it's, Um. I don't know. I just don't. I don't know what to make of Oregon State out of the the group of these Pac-12 teams. I feel like I learned a lot more about um, my confidence level in Washington State. I didn't feel like Oregon State looked bad last week in their game. Uh, I jumped ahead of that one, but Washington State did beat Oregon State. I thought Cam Ward and the group looked great. They played uh, without Victor, right? He hurt his hand very early in that game.
1: Lincoln Victor got hurt getting stepped on, on holding a field goal. That was a nice uh, bad beat for the old late slate there, which I still cashed in with a donut <laughs> from my wide receiver.
0: Yeah, I, I I watched that game last week though, but I came away more impressed with Washington State and not really disappointed in Oregon State. Um, it just they feel like second tier teams in the Pac-12, and Pac-12 just looks really good.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of very good teams in the Pac-12 actually, and it's going to be fun to a lot of late nights at Pac-12 after dark over here, but. You know, Oregon State, I think they probably got six, seven good teams. that or We're going to have a lot of fun matchups coming up pretty soon.
0: Yeah, the other one that uh proved to be a lot less fun was uh, Ole Miss and Alabama. Boy, I told you last week, Lane Kiffin was doing a ton of talking, and boy, he didn't put out a damn thing. That Jackson Dart and Ole Miss looked really horrible, is the nice way to put it, in the second half against Alabama.
1: Yeah, when Dart had that early touchdown, I was like, oh, no, I I, I put shade on Dart and then here comes Dart. And then <laughs> Dart proved me right the rest of the game. So I appreciated that. You know, Milro, he can't throw the ball. It's evident. Uh, I think that's why Saban tried to make that change was to hope that they could get some sort, some sort of a passing game going. But I think the weapons are just so limited there that he's just gonna have to play the ground and pound game and then let Milrow chuck it a mile and hope he can hope he hits catch somebody. One. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just um I guess we'll get to more of, of Ole Miss and, and, and Alabama in a second, but quickly, do you think Jackson did we talk about this last week? Is Jackson Dart the best quarterback on his own roster?
1: No. I brought up Spencer Sanders because I have a soft spot for Spencer Sanders. Yeah, I still think both. Spencer Sanders uh, – I loved playing him at Oklahoma State. Now look how bad Oklahoma State was. He carried that team last year. I think uh, – I, I. it's funny because Spencer Sanders sitting the bench
0: for Ole Miss is ruining both Ole Miss' season and Auburn's <laughs> because he was, he was considering Auburn. And I'm like, if he's there, Auburn's probably a lot better because Peyton Thorne is terrible.
1: Yeah, we kind of knew Peyton Thorne was terrible. I mean – Transferred out of Michigan State for a reason. He had some light moments there, but there was a lot better quarterbacks in the uh portal that they should have thrown a little extra cash to.
0: Yeah, that that I I don't know. It feels like Ole Miss is wasting it away with with Jackson Dart trying to figure it out, but we'll get to more of them in a second. And the last game of the talk on uh Notre Dame, Ohio State was the game of the weekend in the final like, I don't know, four minutes, because the rest of it was pretty gross uh Notre Dame controlled it for a lot of the game probably should have put it away earlier um ended up not scoring on a few drives turning it over on fourth and short really both teams did uh but it's Ohio State who wins at the gun with Notre Dame only having 10 guys on the field I don't know I left this one not really impressed with either team
1: so it, I, I did say I wanted the under in this game that was the one thing I knew um <laughs> now I I do not... Full transparency, I don't bet on a lot of games. I try to bet on players and not games because I tend to get those right more often. I did wager on Notre Dame money line because I was like, oh, I mean, this is where I feel pretty good here. That was a terrible idea. Let's just not do that. And and I feel like the best statement I saw after that game was they were looking ahead to uh, Duke this week, so they wanted to rest their 11th player.
0: Well... (laughs) I I couldn't believe they did it twice. And it's not the first time they did it this year. They did it against what Tennessee State or whoever they played earlier. It's
1: crazy. How do you do that with a defensive coach? That's the crazy part. You know, and then Marcus Freeman saying he didn't want a penalty. It was a six inch penalty, dude. Just just take the penalty. Take the penalty. He should have run
0: out himself and just touched somebody just to get the penalty. I mean, it would have been worth it. (laughs) It would have been worth it. You just, they wouldn't even have turned the ball over. They'd have just like moved it half a football length in. It, it, yeah, yeah. You needed all eleven guys. You probably could have tried to sneak out a twelfth if you needed to. Um, yeah, I, I just came away not super impressed with either one of these teams. Ohio State seems pretty limited by the quarterback, and I kind of expected more out of Sam Hartman in Notre Dame. It just they kind of left a lot of points on the field, and I kind of expected better out of the super veteran there.
1: But regardless, well, Jaden Thomas left with a hamstring injury in that in that game, so that really hurt them being down their top wide receiver.
0: And, uh, I, I guess you could say Marvin Harrison Jr. was also banged up there during the game, but uh, he came back, he played. Um, it just looked like they just put bracket coverage on him and said someone else beat us and no one else really could. Yeah. Uh, so looking at it this week, we've got a lot of home dogs, like I mentioned. So I'm going to list off those kind of one at a time. Chris, you and I can go kind of yes or no, if we could see an upset. Uh, and I do want to just knock three out of the way that I'm just going go with real quick nose and you can disagree if you'd like, but uh, Georgia at Auburn it's Georgia minus minus fourteen and a half. I don't see an upset possible there and I'm happily laying the 14 and a half uh Michigan at Nebraska that's minus 17 and a half I think Nebraska again is terrible I won't forgive them for that Colorado loss um I I'll lay the 17 and a half there and then I'm surprised Washington minus 18 and a half at Arizona seems low I I just I feel like Washington's gonna score like 85.
1: So I'm gonna go quick nose on all of them. I'd lay the points on all of them, but you know, number two, there is the, uh, leave it in the comments. If you know, it's the bus and bowl. So, um, that's Taylor Lewan and Will Compton's game. They created a trophy. So it's a bowl game now.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. That's the Michigan Nebraska game.
1: Yep. It's the bus and bowl. So it's a big hype thing and Michigan's going to blow them out.
0: Yeah. It, it just looks like three, um, I really think Auburn is one of the worst offenses in college football this year. They just, they got nothing. They've is got, Robbie, I mean,
1: is Robbie Ashford going to play most of the game? <laughs>
0: he's going to have to start because <laughs> like I mentioned, Peyton Thorne had guys open last week against A&M and just completely missed them. They were by themselves and he missed them. So I, 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 I if Georgia can score 30. I think they cover 14 and a half by to tw- I think it's score 20. They probably cover 14 and a half. I really just don't think Auburn has that level of team. So the first real interesting game I think we have to talk about, to me it's a quick no, but maybe to others at home, uh, is number eight, USC at Colorado. Um, I really just stand by the same points we were on last week. I don't think Colorado can stop anybody, um, as long as you don't stop yourself. It was evident in Colorado State game. It was pretty evident in the Nebraska game. Uh, I just don't think they have the bodies. And um, I don't know if USC is capable of clamping them like Oregon did um so maybe they're they're capable of covering I'm I'm just going to stick with Caleb Williams being able to just pour on a thousand points and Colorado not keeping up uh, but I, I don't see any potential for an upset
1: here so with no Hunter that's an issue Weaver's banged up if he is if he doesn't play that could really create some problems for Sanders they should put up a lot of points I think Edwards could come back this week the little shifty running back and We could see more of a ceiling game from him, similar to week one against TCU. So I think that's where you're going to kind of see that they're going to, they should score more points. So, you know, USC is kind of a sieve. Like the fact that, the fact that uh, Arizona State put up the amount of points they did on them, it just proves that Colorado should be able to put up some points. And then I I think that, like you said, they don't have the, the Oregon defense. Yeah. My biggest.
0: My biggest concern is you're starting to see Colorado's injuries start piling up, and they, they just don't. We know they don't have the depth. We know they don't have the interior offensive line, defensive line talent as it is. I don't know if is the team to best take advantage of those issues, but if Colorado starts stacking these injuries, Hunter, Weaver, and down the list, it really becomes an issue. And I don't, I don't know how many more hits Shadur Sanders can be just taking back there like he took last week. He was getting drilled.
1: Yeah, it's it's a tough situation. I just don't know that they can get there. Uh, it's a very similar situation where I don't think USC really is going to punt this week. But, um, you know, let's see if we can go two for two on that.
0: Yeah, For me, I'm going to go with USC. I'm going to lay the 21 and a half and just say it's a better offense. It's a better team. and I, I I just I don't see Lincoln Riley slowing up. Like I, I don't see him being as vindictive as La- Dan Lanning appeared to be last week. But uh, I, I don't think they're going to slow down either. I think this is a chance for Caleb to just stack Heisman numbers and I wouldn't be terribly surprised. If they just go for it again.
1: Yeah. I think it's very similar to that. I I don't understand why everybody keeps getting mad at Dion. Like he's talking junk. He, he really hasn't, uh, he hasn't really said too much, you know, without being provoked. It's more that the kids can talk junk. That's fine. But Dion really hadn't done anything.
0: I know. And Dion's just being Dion. like, this is who Dion is. I can't, I, I'm surprised by how surprised everyone is. Like, this is what Dion does. Dion is a personality. He is, um, a, a, a beacon of attention, you know, it's just he's he's just that kind of guy. Um, you know, not many people have that kind of personality that just everyone gravitates to, and that's just kind of who he is.
1: Yeah, I
0: agree. uh, I land on my first yes of the week. I've got Clemson minus seven and a half at Syracuse. I like Syracuse. I've arrived at the point with Clemson where I felt like they put their best punch out there last week at home, and um. Weird stuff happens in the carrier dome, right?
1: See, that's exactly what it's funny <laughs> you should put that. I literally was writing that in my blurbs below when you know when the show started, that weird things happen to Clemson when they go to Syracuse. Every time I go that it's a close game, it's a tight game, and it's gonna be a close game. And it usually comes down to a field goal. And after last week, I don't know how much we can trust that field goal carrier.
0: Boy, I and I mentioned this on on our other podcast, the uh the Seminal Rap Podcast. We talked this game in depth on the on right afterwards, and we got to the end, and I just said like one takeaway we need to talk about. That was so funny. I felt so bad for that kicker, but the way they that they set up that field goal at the end, they were like, "This is this is a movie," and then he just missed, and I was like, "Oh man, how perfect college football is this!"
1: All I could think about was, "Oh man, his new boss is in the stands. He might fire him." <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I, that was tough. I, I, I just, I mean, Clemson's at a point now where it's like, yes, could they still win the conference? Yes, they need a lot of things to bounce their way, and they need to handle their business in every game. It just feels like they're kind of out of gas at this point. Um, to me, I feel like they gave their best effort last week, and I just don't, I, I don't know if they have really everything to put it together against Syracuse. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost let alone co- not covering seven and a half. That means they'll win by 40. But uh, I just, like like I said, I just feel like weird stuff happens in the Carrier Dome. So I, I like Syracuse here.
1: No, I agree. I agree fully. I think, I think it's a good play.
0: All right. We know I'm a homer on this one. Went to LSU. They're minus two and a half at Ole Miss. So Ole Miss, our next home dog. I list this one as maybe. Um, I think LSU is better than Ole Miss simply because I just flatly don't trust Jackson Dart. Um, last week, the reason LSU kind of struggled with Arkansas, they just couldn't put their hands on KJ Jefferson and actually take him down in the, in the, uh, in the pocket. They got there a lot, but couldn't actually bring him down. Uh, and he kept his poise, kept his eyes downfield and just made a lot of, um, I guess like out of uh, what's the word I'm looking for here. Like, like out of rhythm plays, like uh, just off script There it is. And it's just, I don't think Jackson Dart can do that. I don't think he has the poise and composure to do that. If LSU is putting anywhere near that same level pressure on him, um, I don't buy it. And I think LSU is the best team in the SEC, not named Georgia. So I, I, I like LSU and I'll, I'll lay the two and a half, but I, I mean, you're playing LSU at Ole Miss and, I'm not willing to ever call that a no on an upset.
1: So the hook is really important to be under on this. Like if it was over three, three and a half, it would mm-hmm. get, it would get weird because games are weird when LSU and Ole Miss play, they yeah. just are weird. Um, Dart isn't like you said, KJ Jefferson, KJ Jefferson's more prototypically built. He's more like a, like a poor man's Ben Roethlisberger. He's just hard to take down. Right. He's big hard great. to get down. A very big man. And he can throw it. And they have some talent on the outside. Now, Ole Miss has talent on the outside, too. But a lot of their their injury bug is very similar. Like, uh, I'm worried about their wide receiver health uh, health and their depth there. And then I also worry about how healthy Judkins is. We just haven't seen that quintessential Quinshawn Judkins game yet. And I just question how healthy he is. And I think I would need to see it before I would believe it.
0: Yeah, I, it, my friends and I were talking about it this week. Uh, obviously, like I said, when LSU, so I'm in a lot of these group chats and um, the conversations are all like, well, you know, they could run on us and, and these sorts of things. And I'm like, my question is what what's up with Judkins? I, I The numbers just don't look like they should. Um, he's averaging around like three-ish yards of carry, maybe a little over, closer to four-ish. Longest run is 14 yards on the season. Uh, none of that feels right. I know you've mentioned that that the word is he's he's fighting through maybe an ankle injury or something. There, uh, it just it just to me feels like they don't have the explosion to really take advantage of this game and take advantage of that LSU offense like you would hope. Yeah, and um, to give
1: you an idea, he's more like last year. He was more like a seven-yard carry guy,
0: very explosive. He's he's just give him a crease and they're they're sixty. And and it, to a guy to only be putting up you know a long run on the season of fourteen when you've played Mercer. Um, you know, you feel like that that's not even the game you got. It, the long run against Bama. I think his long run against Mercer yeah. was eleven. So it seems like there's something going there, and just um, you know, if you can't if you can't run it against LSU, that's that's really gonna be a problem. Uh the next game we talked about Notre Dame. You were saying they were saving their extra guy. It's Notre Dame minus five and a half at Duke. I like Duke. Uh um, I do too. I I think this is one where Duke's gonna have game day on campus, they're gonna have the this is the big game. Uh, we already saw them kind of outplay Clemson in week one. I'm not sure how dissimilar Notre Dame and, and Clemson are. I think obviously Hartman is much better than Clubnick, but um, you mentioned the receiving threat being hurt last week. What does he look like? What does Notre, how does Notre Dame respond? I mean, you pretty much punched Ohio State in the face last week and you lost it at home. Now you go on the road, what I'm assuming as hostile as Duke can be. Um <laughs> And it's, it's not. Duke's a good team. Riley Leonard is a good, a really good to great quarterback for college football.
1: This game's going to rely on estimate to me. I think that they're going to have to ground and pound it. But after that 12 round fight they went through last week, how many punches can they take and how many can they give at this point? You know, they have really took a beating last week. Both teams did. That's why Ohio State doesn't have a game this week. You know, so that's where coming back, Notre Dame really did no favors with the schedule here and having to face a Duke team that is very talented and very good. The real big difference would be the how good they are on the line and how good estimate could be running the football. And that's where you would think they would have the advantage. But they're so banked up. I don't know how that's going to occur. I would lean towards Duke at home.
0: Yeah. They, uh, you mentioned the scheduling. They did have that week zero game against Navy. So they, they get two buys this season. Um, But they took that post USC and they took it post Clemson. Um, so they're getting ready to play uh, their sixth game of the year already. Uh Coming off of a, of a fight against Ohio state. It's, it's a tough spot for them. You know, you, you're deep, you're pretty deep into your season. This is your halfway point. You do have still have two buys ahead of you and you're coming off a big fight. Um I I worry about how many points they left on the board last week at home um you, you can't do that against Duke and I think Duke's plenty capable of just grinding clock with the way they can play and, um I I I'm with, I I think I agree I'm with I'm really on Duke and I think Duke can win this game flat out And I'm more than happy to take five and a half I wish it was higher but I'll take five and a half that's fine with me
1: If I was Notre Dame, I would have put the buy after Ohio State and the buy after Clemson. Those are two much more physical teams than a a USC would be.
0: Yeah, and I I wonder, you know, they're not beholden to an ACC schedule, they're not beholden to a conference schedule. They can kind of puzzle this out however they really like. Um, Tough, I guess. I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) Uh, The last one I want to mention before we get to one other uh, last home dog I want to mention is Alabama. Uh, They are minus fourteen at Mississippi State. I like this as a really ugly, low-scoring football game. As much as I don't think Mississippi State's very good, I don't have a lot of confidence in them maybe winning this game. i put it as a maybe. Uh, but I like them plus 14.5 just because I don't think – like, LSU beat them, but LSU threw all over them. I don't think Milroe and Bama can do that. And I haven't seen anything in, in what Alabama's put on the field this season in any game to say that they can – Win on the road by two scores by more than two scores.
1: I think it would be interesting. I think it is possible. This is one, the one I'm probably the most split on because it isn't. I, I would probably like it better if it was like an 11 a.m. cowbell game, you know. It's Just a, like an it's early, a, I think a 9 p.m. night game, start. yeah. That's a, It's a weird, it's a late time, you know. I wonder if the farmers are going to bed, you know, they can't ring the cowbells <laughs> at that point. You know, Stark Vegas is starting to shut down. Um, oh, By 9 p.m.,
0: everything is closed there. So everyone exactly. have to be at the game. They really don't have a choice.
1: So that's why I'm kind of worried about that from that aspect. And I think the offense has been much better in previous years. And even then, they had a hard time scoring – on alabama so how are they going to be able to score at this point you know marks is a talented running back but he's not really a volume back it's a little weird situation for him griffin's a very good wide receiver he had 270 yards last week receiving but this isn't really a situation where you have you can rely on one or two stars you need to have multiple guys step up and make plays and i don't think they're deep enough to be able to do that and move the football consistently because Will Rogers just isn't mobile enough. We saw Jackson Dart, who's at least a little bit mobile. He couldn't move the football last week, so I got to think Mississippi State's going to struggle to score and eventually bully ball out of Alabama. Probably rings up. You know, it could be four field goals and a touchdown, and you get a cover.
0: Yeah, I I, I like it as a low scoring game. I I I just saw. They couldn't – I expected uh, Alabama to bully a lot of teams on the schedule because that's just what I've grown used to in in this life of seeing Alabama play every year all the time. Um, I can't can't stop thinking about whatever that garbage they put on the field was at USF because USF is small, not extremely athletic on the edges, and they couldn't even run the ball there. I I just don't know – if they can lean on Mississippi state in that same I mean, if you couldn't lean on USF, what am I supposed to believe you're going to lean on Mississippi state?
1: Yeah. It was just, it seems like that might be the aberration, like the weird one, the the outlier. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the weather, the delay, the
0: fair, they weren't very good against Texas either. I mean, obviously Texas is good.
1: You know, the sandwich. Yeah. But they put up points on a good Texas team. So it feels like that might be like the, the middle game, that, that cream of the Oreo, where you're just like, I don't know what I got here. Yeah. Well, we're split on this
0: one. I'm, I I think Mississippi state could actually win the game, but I'm happy to take the 14 and a half and call it a, a low scoring, ugly road game for Bama that they'll probably win because that's just what Saban does. And we wrote him off too soon and all those sorts of things. Uh, the one other game I want to talk about. That's not a home dog. It's number 24, Kansas plus 16 and a half at number three, Texas. Um, big number, right?
1: It is a big number. It's a big number to me too. I, I agree with that. I think they can keep that. When, when you, when I first looked at it, I thought, Oh, well I like Texas a lot. I think Texas is very good, but we're, we're, you know, a one okay game from like, he, he needs a top 25% viewers game in order for you to cover that number. And you need Jaden Daniels to have a bottom 25 or Jalen Daniels to have a bottom 25%. So I think that the variability of the outcomes all favor Kansas being able to cover that number.
0: Yeah, and it's not like we haven't seen this Jalen Daniels have success against Texas. It's not like we haven't seen um, this Kansas team can score. You know, uh, if anything, I feel like they. If I really want to say this, I feel like they have a better offense than Alabama, and Alabama scored on Texas.
1: Obviously, they're at home. They've played some decent uh defense, too. Like actually, they were actually pretty decent last week on defense. Um,
0: uh, I liked Leopold a lot too. I don't know how much longer he's at Kansas, but uh
1: I, I appreciate the fact that I don't know how they've been able to keep Jason Bean as a backup quarterback this long.
0: Well, they they did uh let's see, 2019 was a 50 to 48 win in Austin for Texas. 2021 was a 57-56 kansas win and then last year was a 55 14 texas win um so i mean they they have the history of beating them last year obviously
1: sounds like we need a game stack this game
0: <laughs> that's what i always say i just mentioned up all the numbers i was like wow so 50 something is the uh is the number to win the game you have to put out 50 to win uh i'm trying to check the stats because this was a november game last year i'm trying to see because i remember yours was hurt um let's see i'm looking at the log Bijan rushing touchdown. Bijan rushing touchdown. Bijan rushing touchdown. Bijan rushing touchdown.
1: Yeah, I used to play a lot of Bijan. That guy's pretty good. He's pretty decent.
0: Uh, let's see. One of the you, best
1: marketing ploys of all time was the Bijan Dijon. That's a great okay. nil deal.
0: Well, so he had 25 carries for 243 and four touchdowns. Obviously, he's not around. Yours last year against Kansas was 12 for 21 for 104 yards and a touchdown. Uh, And Jalen Daniels was 17 for 26 for 230 and two. I don't know. Last year, it just looks like they just gave the ball to Bijan and just ran all over them. Um, I don't know. I'm interested. I like Kansas. I think it's a big number. Worst case scenario. I like uh, them keeping it close. Um, Yeah. Jonathan Brooks, even 10 carries, 108 yards and two touchdowns. So they ran the ball for 440 yards last year with on the back, Bijan and Jonathan Brooks. So I don't know. I like Kansas. I think that one's a fun one to definitely put your eyes on. Um, But we'll switch gears over to the DFS side. I know you just probably cracked your knuckles or cracked your neck there. But uh, this is, again, the noon and the 3.30 slate. And I think the weirdest one on the slate is the game in Colorado, I think, is a noon kick. That's a a 9 a.m. Pacific time start, and that's where you start your list.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're going right back. We're rinse rinse and repeat, baby. We're going right back. We're going to get Caleb Williams. We're paying the hefty price, just like we did last week with Bo Nix. Bo Nix paid off. I think this could be a more competitive game this week. And Caleb Williams is going to be the exposure we're going to be able to use to get on that USC team because his wide receivers, it could be anybody catching a touchdown. I would would tend to lean Brendan Rice – but uh, because he's been scoring touchdowns pretty much weekly, but he's getting like three catches, maybe there's he does not have an alpha wide receiver at all.
0: So you like the idea of just kind of leaving him by himself?
1: Oh, yeah, I, I don't want to stack him. Uh, if you really want to get get fit freaky, go get you Marshawn Lloyd and then pray that they just run the ball into the end zone for a whole bunch of touchdowns. And Caleb Williams doesn't end up being that much involved. Okay. interesting
0: I, I don't I don't hate that idea um because I think you saw last week Oregon it didn't matter who the running back was they just handed them the ball and, and nine ten yards at a time I did see the joke I don't know if I'm sure you saw it going around Twitter was like uh was it uh Michael Irvin said that all the coaches in college football got together to scheme on how to beat Dion last week and uh, everyone was like yeah yeah they just all said hey inside Zone 40 times because it's all uh, it's wide open anytime you want it
1: Yeah, Lloyd's been taken over the backfield, so it makes for an interesting contrarian pivot. That that could be the way that you get completely different. I I would bet Lloyd is very low owned, sub ten percent, whereas Williams probably in the thirty to forty percent range.
0: We're trying to find him. He is seventy six hundred. He's the third most expensive running back. Yeah. Um, your other quarterback is a guy that you have talked. We have mentioned before. Um, I know at least I think the Penn State Illinois game you brought him up and uh, Luke Altmaier
1: from Illinois. Yeah, he was terrible against Penn State. Uh, <laughs> so we we kind of knew we, we knew that's a terrible matchup for him. And we, you know, DraftKings, we need some value. If we're paying 10 5 for a USC quarterback, we're getting 5700 for an Illinois quarterback with sneaky rushing upside. You know, he scored 20 plus points in three out of four games. And that's kind of what we're looking for. You know, we're going to get close to 4X value in this situation. And Purdue's been leaky on defense, just real leaky, especially they've they've continued with the air raid. But that means that the other team can get the ball back. And uh, Brett Bielema started to throw the ball a little bit more, you know. So Fresno State had 366 and four through the air. And Virginia Tech's awful offense, as we saw last week, got shut down by Marshall. They had 275 and two through the air. So that's positive in the passing game. Now he's got a little bit of rushing upside with 70 yards rushing and two out of four, and they gave up 195 yards rushing and four touchdowns to Syracuse quarterback Garrett Schrader, and we're not getting that. Well, don't so, sleep
0: on Schrader with that uh, the naked bootleg.
1: He pulled he pulled it off twice. Dude, he can run. He's been he's a tank, but he's kind of like a I called him last year a poor man's Brennan Armstrong, but apparently he's the rich man's Brennan Armstrong at this point. <laughs> so, but we're taking we're taking We, the we win. still love you, Brennan. Yeah, we still love you, but the, the ginger ninja is struggling at this point. <laughs>
0: uh, switching over to running back, you we've we've uh, I think you and I may have played Jonty before, but not on a on a main slate, right?
1: No, I think I've, we probably played Ashton Genty of Boise State against uh, UCF. So, and he was a yes. monster. Yeah. yes, and he's their offense. I mean, Taylor Green's good. Eric Mitchell, the wide receiver, is good, but Genty is taken over. He's a flashback for me to Jay Ajayi running on that blue turf and I love to see it he's got the dreads hanging out the back just flopping around guys always look faster with the dreads hanging out the back you know when they're flopping and they're moving they look quick they're moving look they more juke. oh yeah it's always so much better and the most impressive part about Genti is he he's so good in the pass game he's got 408 yards rushing on the season and another like 280-something receiving in four games. So he's averaging 100 yards on the ground, 70 through the air. That's nuts. So 700 all-purpose yards already and eight touchdowns in four games. So his stat lines, you would think, oh, he, he put up good numbers. And, and you know, if I read off just his scores for the first four weeks, you'd be like, oh, they probably played some bad teams. He put 34 up on Washington, 35 up on UCF, and 44 up on San Diego State, who's notoriously good at run defense and playing defense and holding on to the football.
0: Yeah, that's – uh, geez, <clears throat> sorry. I'm telling you, man, I'm fighting through it. But uh, I'll move ahead now and just toss it back to you. Edwards from Georgia.
1: Yeah, we kind of poo-pooed the uh, backfield a couple weeks ago when we brought up Brock Bowers. I don't think they've really put it together. Now, Bowers exploded last week, had a monster game. But Edwards came back in the South Carolina game, and that was his first game back. That's when we were touting Bowers. So we didn't really know what the running back situation was going to look like. We thought it would be more of a committee. Milton's still out. I need Milton to stay out. I would prefer that. I think we can get 20 carries out of Edwards' If Kendall Milton stays out now, if Milton's back in, I think he eats probably five carries of that. So maybe 15 for Edwards, but he's returned 20 points each week, North of three X his value at $6,000 and a hundred yards and two touchdowns should be on the table for Edwards in this game. They should control the clock, control the ball. Just want to get out of there with a win with four touchdowns, probably four to five touchdowns that they'll put up. Two of them should go to him.
0: I like Edwards a lot. I think Georgia has the ball a lot in this game. One thing to keep in mind, because I was just building a lineup here, uh, there are three other D Edwards running backs, all kind of in that same price range. So if you're going, uh, make sure you check the team. You know, just don't just click any D Edwards. Make sure you're grabbing the right one. Uh, you do have a couple other injuries you want people to keep an eye on that could provide value.
1: Yeah, so Raheem Sanders, Rocket Sanders from Arkansas, he's a very, very talented running back. And if he plays, I heard he's back at practice. If he plays this week, he's cheap. He's like 5,600 for for his skill level. He'll get all the work. If he plays, he's getting all the work. He'll get 20, 25 carries. And it's a good matchup. Uh, Jalen Lucas from Indiana, he's more of a scat back. He has a game with 98 yards receiving so far this year. If Josh Henderson misses the game, specifically against a Maryland uh, team that I don't think is very good against the run. I know Michigan state last week, Nathan Carter played okay against them. So Lucas has upside. I think he's 4,600 and that would be a positive play out of the backfield to get a little bit of salary relief. Cause we're paying 10, five for Caleb Williams. We need to save somewhere. Uh, I tried to bring up some guys with the wide receivers that will do that because running back. Genty's a monster. Blake Watson's very good. There's a lot of very good running backs this week. And the upside at wide receivers, not as much there, but there's still some very good wide receivers.
0: Well, let's not waste any time. Let's go ahead and jump over the receivers. Tyler Brown first, 4,800 out of
1: Clemson. Yeah, we're living with the injury situations. It's going to be a lot of injury things this week that we need to pay attention to. Uh, You guys saw it last week in the Florida State game. Antonio Williams was out for the game. Tyler Brown stepped in, he played that slot role, and he played it admirably. You know, He had six targets, five catches, 84 yards. That's very good for a young wideout like that. He created some rapport. He had two touchdowns the week before that in limited role. So if he can continue to expand upon that role, and we talked about how they have a lack of weaponry, he seems to be a weapon that could step up, become the top target getter in that offense in a tough matchup in the carrier dome. That's a tough place to play. It's going to be a competitive matchup. I like Shipley this week again, too. It's a competitive matchup. So I'm going to lean into their more high profile players, but they're going to have to throw the ball.
0: And then you go back to uh, the game we kind of talked about being high scoring. You go to Texas.
1: Look, Xavier. Yeah, Xavier Worthy's a very good play. He's 6,500, he's a very quality play so is Jonathan Brooks. He had the 100 yards last year and two touchdowns. They're both pricier plays though. So I'm going to pivot off and I I've been playing Sanders for the first couple of weeks of the season. I was getting him at 4k. Now he's 4700. So Javion Sanders is their tight end. He's their uber athletic tight end. Very Njoku like, I would say. Uh, he can stretch the field, stretch the seam, runs really well and they've used him in the short screen game even. And he's very good. He's very Brock Bowersy, but not as good. Brock Bowers is a different level of a prospect. So you would say Brock Bowers is Travis Kelsey. Jatavian Sanders is Mark Andrews. You know, he's good. He's just that level. And he has uh, almost 100 yards in multiple games. I think he had four for 130 last week, I want to say. And he, he's been very good, very quality back, uh, tight end. And I think that that's one way we can save some salary, but also get some exposure to that game where we expect a very high score.
0: So I filled out a lineup using all the guys you have mentioned, plus the Will Shipley in the flex spot. It leaves me 5,600 for a wide receiver. Uh, the top name on the list is Noah Thomas at Texas AM. and uh, m You got Bar- Barry and Brown from Kentucky you got Lawrence Arnold at Kansas, Ty Belton, uh, Cobbs from Boise State, Bowers is there. Uh, is there anyone in that window to close out maybe that one kind of... Here's kind of a group of guys we're interested in.
1: You hurt my soul because I wanted to go Deion Burks as the runback, and he's 5,700. <laughs> so you know that's the nuts right there. Yeah. Whenever you're 100 off and, it, and you didn't get it, it's the nuts. Um, I probably want to lean into... I think I would lean into Bowers there. I don't love having the two Georgia guys. I think that that's a weird situation. I would love uh Isaiah Williams at 5700 as well, but that's that's why I'm I'm leaning into these 5700s. Isaiah Williams is the Illinois wide receiver. He has no touchdowns and a ton of uh ton of uh receptions on the season. Um
0: 24 receptions, uh yeah. 333 yards. Yep, he's he's a very like... good
1: very good PPR wideout. Uh,
0: Ran like them. 83 uh, yards a game, right around mm-hmm. 15 and a half, 16 points per game as well.
1: Hang on, you went to Shipley. Can well, we you could
0: take Shipley? you could take Shipley down to uh, Ooh. to my uh, Michigan's Edwards.
1: No, no, I know I'm a full void, I'm full off the tr- the average. Something's wrong with him. Let's just go with Rocket Sanders. And hope, and and then we'll monitor to see if he plays, right? Let's go, okay. Rocket Sanders. So I you love take the play. Down, you to Let's Rocket take Shipley Sanders. go to Rocket Sanders. That's going to save us three hundred. If Sanders, if Sanders doesn't play, you can go to LaQuint Allen, the Syracuse running back. He's very talented as well. Very Shipley esque. Uh, very talented. So you, he's fifty seven hundred. That saves you two hundred, and that will get you to Burks.
0: Okay, well, let's say we put in Williams in this wide receiver spot to go with Altmeyer. So your lineup would be Williams and Altmeyer at your quarterback and super flex. You have your Genti Genty. Genti and Edwards Janty. to running Janty to running back and Edwards there. You'd have Brown Sanders and Williams at receiver. That leaves you the flex. Would you go to Burks because you have fifty eight hundred?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm going Burks. Okay, I want to run so, that game back. I, I I think that game has potential to shoot out.
0: Yeah, you've got a pretty solid lineup here just looking at fantasy point averages. Obviously, Genty 35 and a half is great at 6,800, I mean. Oh, wow. he's
1: absurd. He's it's not even close. He's yeah. like over one point per dollar better than every yeah. other player.
0: And I think last week that was something very similar to what we saw from um
1: Ali. Oh Rasheen, Rasheen dominates. I think you said you were gonna name your kid Ali.
0: Yeah, every time he touched the ball, he just rattle off, just carrying three or four guys. I was like, well, if he keeps doing this, I'll just go ahead and name my kid Ali. This is fine. I love him. Uh, he's the only reason that I think I cashed in half my lineups last week. So, shout out to him. Uh, so, to recap top to bottom, the picks of the week. I'm going Georgia minus 14.5 at Auburn. I'm going Michigan minus 17.5 at Nebraska. Washington minus 18.5 at Arizona. As the games, I don't see any chance of upset. I'm also throwing USC minus 21.5 in there. Um, though that one may end up being closer, so I'm less, less bullish on that one. Uh, I like Syracuse plus seven and a half and possibly winning the game. I like LSU uh, over Ole Miss, Duke plus five and a half over Notre Dame. And uh, in the gross one, I think Mississippi State's got a chance to cover 14 and a half against Bama. Uh, I do also like Kansas and that 16 and a half, though it seems like a big number. Chris recommending Caleb Williams, 10,500 USC quarterback, Luke Altmaier, 5,700 Illinois quarterback. Ashton Genty, 6,800 out of Boise State. Dijon Edwards? Yeah, Dijon. Dejon Edwards, 6,000 at Georgia. i um, also interested in Rocket Sanders if he plays after missing last week. And Jalen Lucas if Josh Henderson doesn't play. Uh, Jalen Lucas from Indiana and Rocket Sanders, Arkansas. I don't know if I said that. Uh, Tyler Brown out of Clemson, 4,800 assuming Antonio Williams misses. And Jatavian Sanders, 4,700 out of Texas. Uh Anything else we got to be talking about pending this weekend? I, I think it should be an, another fun one. I know it doesn't have the same top-end level. you got to watch this, but um, I see plenty of fun stuff on the slate.
1: Well, they, they left off some of the better games. I think that's where we're most upset about. You know, you, we didn't get UVA-BC, and we didn't get Houston-Texas Tech. Or was it Houston-Texas Tech? Yeah, I think yeah. they're playing each other. Yeah, so we lost those two games, and we only got a 12-game slate instead of a 14-game slate. So that kind of limited things a little bit. But, uh, you know, we're going to keep a narrow pool and continue that. And it seems to be working out. So let's just keep doing that and hope it keeps cashing.
0: Yeah, it's been working out well for us. The pigs have been working. So hopefully that streak continues. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys being part of it, growing audience. And uh, I know we're having a lot of fun. So we appreciate you being along for the ride. For Brian and Chris, see you next week.